0: 934- one or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study
1: and we're back on the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday september 24th 2015 thanks for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father is away tonight uh, preaching in st louis And in his place, Monty Overton is here. Hello, Monty. Oh, Jacobs, good to see you tonight. Good to see you here as well. You might get that microphone a little bit closer there. And behind the boards, Kyle is back again tonight. Kyle, thank you for being here. Happy to have you. And looking forward uh, to your participation as well on the program. And looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll remind you, if you're watching us live, you can check out the chat room to the bottom of your video feed. Sign in there chat with other listeners and if you're listening to us in the recorded version we welcome your comments at any time questions at collegeview.com and we would like to request suggestions for future editions of the virtual bible study if you have an idea or a question that you'd like discussed in this format send it to questions at collegeview.com and if you've got a comment about something we've said maybe you agree or maybe you disagree we'd welcome that at any time questions at collegeview.com Tonight on the program, we want to talk about the sins of the tongue. They are numerous. The scriptures warn us repeatedly about the sins of the tongue, and uh, we need to talk about them. We've talked about them in the past on the virtual Bible study, but it has been years, I believe, and so it's worthy uh, to discuss that topic again tonight. Monty, the scriptures uh, are not short on warnings about the trouble that our tongue can get us into.
2: There's plenty of places in the scriptures that it talks to us about controlling our mouth and controlling the things we say, and it's a real challenge sometimes to do that because we get in the habit of speaking certain ways, and then we say things really without even thinking about them. Yep. So that's something that we've really got to be careful about. Uh, those You've heard those saying "think before you speak, and that's a, that's a really important thing to do is always engage our brain as long as possible before we kick our tongue in gear, and hopefully that'll help limit some of our misspeaking. There, there you go. Uh, Kyle, before the program, we were
1: talking, and you said you just think people minimize the seriousness of uh, of these
3: sins. I think it's one of the most uh, overlooked. It's people just, even Christians, it's probably we rationalize in ourselves. We just try to think it's well, we we just don't think about our speech. It's one of the most often overlooked things that we do in our lives, and we really need to. Be vigilant about it, especially how we say it. Okay, our speech is probably one of the most important things people look at when they see a Christian. That's what they, they reflect. reflects. probably most first and most importantly about ourselves. So Absolutely. So,
1: uh, so it is an important thing, and uh, we need to be aware of the sins. So we want to talk with you about those tonight. Give us your, your thoughts in the chat room. We asked earlier today to the update list, James chapter 3. We'll get into James chapter 3 in a minute. But it says the tongue cannot be tamed. Does that mean, that mean that committing sins of the tongue is inevitable? If not, what does it mean? We'll talk about James chapter 3 in a minute, because that's going to be a crucial part of our discussion tonight, uh, a, a long discourse there on the tongue and the dangers of it. But verse 3 of James chapter 3 says the tongue cannot be tamed. Does that mean we're, we're wasting our time even talking about this tonight, Monty, because we can't tame the tongue? We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we want to talk about how we can prevent other sins of the tongue. For instance, we want to talk about gossip, foul language, using the Lord's name in vain, lying, boasting, murmuring and complaining, and using euphemisms, all sins that we need to be careful of, and we want to talk about how we can avoid them on the program tonight. And then we want to talk about some consequences if we fail to control our tongue, Uh, consequences to our own souls and consequences to others as well. And so we're talking about the sins of the tongue on the program tonight. Again, 877 381 Four, five, six, seven. Why do we need to get over to James chapter 3 because it is a long discourse on the tongue and it is very explicit in the, uh, enumerating the dangers for us uh, that we must be aware that our tongue can do great harm. Beginning at verse 2 of James chapter 3, we read, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one, no one, no, I'm sorry, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be so. And so we see some serious dangers associated with the tongue. Money there in verse 2 tells us if we're going to stumble in many things, and if you don't stumble in word or the way you use your tongue, you're a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. Now, there's some confusion, I think, among people when they read that. Uh, Some folks say, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't control my tongue. That's not what the passage is saying. Uh, it's saying that if you if you can get a hold of this, if you can, it is so it is so difficult to control your tongue. If you can control your tongue, you can control anything in your body. You can you can you have complete uh, you have demonstrated self control. If you get to where you can control your tongue, you're not saying with your tongue.
2: Yeah, when you've learned to control what you say, you've become a very disciplined individual. And the discipline that's required to learn to control your tongue is so great that the other things about your body that you have to control seem to be. Almost inconse- inconsequential by comparison.
1: That's right, and it's not uh, saying that you're perfect in that you don't ever sin, but it's saying you're perfect in that you're complete. The idea of perfection is the idea of completion, and when you're perfect, you in this fashion, you've got complete control of your body, your tongue included, if you can keep yourself from sinning with your tongue.
2: You know, it's easy enough for most of us not to go out and commit a murder. Most of us don't have a problem with that sin. Uh, most of us aren't struggling with adultery or or other things like that, but it's it's really easy in lots of ways that we're going to talk about tonight to sin with our tongue. I mean, it's just it's easy as falling off a log, so to speak. That's so that don't say I've heard. You know, we all, some of us we don't have the best of balance, and it's easy to be trying to walk a log and step misstep, and off off we come. Well, misspeaking with our mouth is the same way. It's there's so many ways we can do it that you know it's it's. It's simple to find one of them and fall right off in it if we're not extremely careful.
1: All right, and it doesn't take much effort uh, to to use our tongues. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna punch you in the face, money, I've got to at least get over near you and 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 rear back and do something with my tongue. I can just I can lash
2: out with you instantaneously without much effort. And so you know, from across the room or on a different continent, we can call somebody now. Right. Telephone communication right. is so easy now. We right. can call somebody half a world away. And be rude and insulting to them.
1: Yeah. All right. So if you can control this, again, we're not, it doesn't say it's impossible. It says it's extremely hard. If you can grasp this, and you can control anything about your body. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Talking about some things here that have control that are small. Mm-hmm. The bit in the horse's mouth is a very small and insignificant thing, and yet it can make that horse go wherever it wants. Yeah. Uh, as same as the rudder on the on the ship. Again, a very small thing can turn a massive vessel, and so it is with our bodies. If we we'll go to verse five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. That Our tongue is a very small member, Monty, but it can get in, get us into incredible tr- trouble, and it can cause incredible trouble for
2: others. You know, when we think about it, I'm somewhere where TV was on the other day, I don't remember where I was at now, but they had something on the television about some forest fires, I believe, in California. Talking about how many thousands or millions of acres the things was burning up. But typically, those forest fires are started by one little spark or one little unattended ember, something that we, we would think would be inconsequential. Right. But it, its effect covers thousands and thousands of acres, sometimes millions of acres. And uh, I, know, I remember years ago, when my kids was little, we went out west, and Yellowstone Park had burnt the year before, so we went through Yellowstone. And it just seems like in huge, huge amounts of land had been burned over up there, all started by one little little ember that would have seemed like it didn't amount to anything that you couldn't have even got a campfire going out off to cook a, a meal, but it burned a massive amount of territory. Well, yeah. our tongue's the same way. Just some little something that we might say that we would maybe think is inconsequential can do great harm, and just it can spread because we said it, then somebody else is going to say it. They might say, well, he's supposed to be a Christian. If he can talk that way, I can. And and then they influence other people, and the next thing you know, there's Huge amount of damage has been done by some little thing that we said without thinking. A
1: careless spark yeah. that we uh, deposited with our tongue, yeah. and it's caused great damage. That's right. Uh, the tongue is, in verse 6, uh, is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Again, uh, just <laughs> a little bit can make cause great damage. And this is a small member, but it, it can defile our whole body, money. And, uh, and cause us to be worthless uh, in the service of God if we don't get control of this uh, small member. And so we've got to understand the damages here. Uh, now, verse 7 and 8, the verses that we had in question earlier in our update list. For every kind of beast and bird and, and of, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8 of James chapter 3, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. No man can tame the tongue. Now on the surface someone might say, Well, we're wasting our time tonight because it says here that I'm not gonna be able to control this thing. I can't tame it. I you know, I'm just I just it's just the way I am, Monty. Sometimes I just run off at the mouth. Sometimes I get I get upset and I just it just comes out. And and see there, verse eight says No man can tame the tongue and so well I guess it's okay.
2: Well no, it's not okay in this idea that no man can tame the tongue. It's my understanding that there is this uh that's just saying most every kind of animal has been tamed by man and, and used as a some type of beast, a burden, or to accomplish some purpose for him. There's a couple of animals, animals, I think, that they say can't be tamed. I think a cape buffalo, maybe. Oh, really? Or, yeah, and I think a zebra. That's why I if, don't have
1: a pet cape yeah, buffalo, huh?
2: But, uh, the, but anyhow, the fact that they can't be tamed. You think of a snake, a, uh, like a cobra or something. Yeah. You can't really tame them. You've all, But the idea is if you can't tame it, it but it can be controlled. We can make... These animals that can't be tamed go where we want them to go. We may not, they may not be docile. We may not be able to pet them and, you know, ride them or whatever, but we can make, we can harness them and make them go where we want to go. We can harness our tongue and make it do what we want it to do, but it doesn't mean that we're not constantly having to watch it. When I go out in the field with our cattle, our cattle are re- relatively tame and, but I always keep an eye on them because you never know when one of the lunatics is going to decide he wants to stomp on you. Okay. And so the, your tongue is the same way. You might have it in control, but you gotta keep a constant eye on it because you never know when it's gonna to wanna to bust loose and All cause right. you harm.
1: Alright, here's the deal. We can take a, we can take a dangerous lion, Lonnie, and you drive into the circus with the lion tamer. And he puts himself in that, the little circular ring, that circular fence there with mm-hmm. that, that lion. And, uh, he, he gets that lion up on that uh, pedestal. And, you know, he, he's got that lion trained in such a way, he can turn his back on that lion. And he's confident that lion's not gonna jump down and, and eat mm-hmm. him, uh, for dinner. He's got that lion tamed. Our tongue is never going to be like that. We're never going to be able to put it in the corner and say, you stay there and don't get into any trouble. We're always going to, as you mentioned, have to keep our eye on that on, that, on our tongue and guard it because at any time it can uh, become dangerous. Got you know, I was watching
2: a video not long back that illustrated this. They was had this grizzly bear, and I think that's an animal also that you're really not supposed to be able to tame in any meaningful way. But apparently they thought they had this one tamed, yeah. and they was in the pen, and they was doing whatever they was doing with it. Well, the next thing you know, this bear done whipped around and grabbed and bit this guy in the throat, and the guy wound up dying from it. Yeah. And But he thought he was safe. You know, they was in the pen, and they thought the bear, was, and they wasn't paying enough attention to it. Well, we got to learn that lesson right there about our tongue. We might think we've got it in good control. Or we might think we're safe with that thing. But if we ain't careful, it's going to turn around and cause us great damage.
1: All right. Uh, some comments in the chat room. Josh says it is important to note that no man can tame the tongue. Paul wrote that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So Josh says no man can tame the tongue, but uh, we, with Christ and God's help, we can uh, be successful at controlling our tongue. David says, the tongue cannot be tamed. Something tame is something that you can let your guard down with like a tame, well-trained dog. The tongue is something we cannot tame. We must always be aware and exercise control of our speech, guarding against things such as lying, bad language, slander, etc. And he also agrees with Josh that says uh, it's not going to be tamed by man. And so certainly James chapter 3, verse 8 is not telling us it's a futile effort to try and control your speech. It's not what James is saying here. James is saying that you've just got to be aware that you're never going to be able to just turn your back and not worry about what your tongue, what kind of trouble your tongue could get into. Chris in Atlanta has commented tonight. Chris, thank you for your email. He says it means uh, this idea of James chapter three verse eight that the tongue cannot be tamed. He said it means it is very easy to sin with the tongue. Therefore, we must be on constant guard. I like the way he puts this. Listen to this. Many sins require more effort and energy drinking, stealing, etc. Speaking is about as easy as it gets, so we need to guard what we say. There are so many sins we can commit with the tongue. I like what he says there. He says it's just about as easy as it gets to
2: sin with the tongue. You know, when you think about making noise, that's what our tongue and the way we're talking about tonight does. A newborn baby makes noises. Uh, he lets you know when he's hungry or his diaper's dirty or there's, he when he requires attention because he'll start crying. He's conveying a message to you. And so for, you know, I've got a one-month-old grandson, and he's able to cry and let you know when he needs some attention. Yeah. Uh, he can't talk yet, so that's not the issue, but he can communicate. And that's what speaking is, is communication. So we can start making noises, communicate. And if a one-month-old baby can do it, like uh, Chris said here, it's an easy thing. It's about as easy as it gets. So we need to start early and and stay long at at watching out what we say.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll take your thoughts. We need to get into some of these dangers, these sins that we've talked about and how we can avoid them. We'll get to the sin of gossip. Uh, I think that one is going to take a while to talk about, uh, but uh, we need to get into that. That's a sin. We'll talk about some foul language and using the Lord's name in vain, and we'll get your thoughts on the other side of the break as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi,
4: I'm Kent Baumgartner. And I'm Mindy. We're from Jackson, Tennessee. And we love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. When once the heart is gained, how easily is all the rest corrected? This is why God, above all things, requires the heart. If there's anything in your life which you know to be wrong, do not sleep until you have the thing settled with God. He that won't be counseled can't be helped. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you
1: we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. I appreciate Monty for studying in my dad's seat. appreciate Kyle for being here as well. And we appreciate you for being on the other end of the line as we talk about sins of the tongue and how we've got to watch our mouth and watch what we say. And uh, Monty, before the program, you told me that you're just going to start to... To be careful not to say anything wrong tonight, you're just not going to say anything at all. And, uh, get lockjaw on me. Yeah, if
2: we don't talk, we don't have
1: to worry about yeah. sending Well, you've got to talk for the next 45 minutes, and oh, you can okay. do that. When you get home tonight, that'll keep you
2: out of trouble with your wife, maybe. Just, yeah. just keep it keep it quiet. She already tells me I don't ever talk to her. So. Uh,
1: okay, okay. Well, <laughs> <that'll get laughs> I'm you practicing. Older. All right. Uh, uh, we're t- looking at uh, the, the dangers of the tongue, and uh, we've got to make sure that we understand that our tongues... Say things about us and about our heart. Jesus said in Matthew uh, numerous times that the tongue d- displays to everyone the condition of our heart. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says, "Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but with that which cometh out of the man this defileth the man." Down in verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 18 of Matthew chapter 15, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. I can tell. The condition of your heart, Monty. I can tell the condition of Kyle's heart, not because I'm a mind reader, because you display the condition of your heart by the way you talk.
2: That's right. You know, there's, there's been times in my life when people have come up to me and said, Monty, I can't believe you talked like that. I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. They could tell by what I was saying that, that I was having trouble with my heart, that it wasn't right. But there's been other times since then that people that I've worked with have said, Monty, you must be a Christian. I can tell by the way you talk. Yeah. So, we, it can be done, but it's a, It requires constant attention. But it, our mouth will tell people what kind of person we are in short order.
1: Absolutely, and people are watching and and mm-hmm. noting. They that. notice as you mentioned. And you're not making a statement. You don't have it wearing a shirt that says "I'm a Christian" on mm-hmm. it. But people can tell by the way you talk because people pick up on these things. They notice. Now, in Matthew chapter 26, we remember the story of uh, G, uh, Peter portraying Jesus mm-hmm. as he's as he's denying them. Uh, verse seventy three of Matthew twenty six, after a while uh came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech betrays thee. The way Peter was ta- talking uh showed that he was uh associated with those who had been following Christ. Mm-hmm. I think this was more of his dialect rather than this particular things he was saying, uh maybe his accent. But People are watching the way that we speak, and, and we're, dis- we're displaying something.
2: Well, I've heard people that felt like it had to do with the dialect because maybe had the Galilean right. dialect or something right. like that. But I think in the context there, it had to do with the way he was talking because he fixed that to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus because the next verse said he began to curse and swear. Yeah. So I think the context would tell us in this thing, maybe the dialect was part of it, but the fact that he wasn't using bad language and the yeah. same language that the others around him was. And, you know, well, we can tell you're a follower of Jesus because the way you're talking shows it. Well, he fixed it. He says he began to curse and swear. We prove by our language sometimes that we're not following Jesus. We can tell people all the day long that we're Christians. We can show up for every service of the church. But our mouth is going to betray us eventually and prove what whether we are or not I think uh
1: i I actually I would have a little different take on verse mm-hmm. seventy four than you would where he began to curse and swear saying I know not the man I think that indicates he was calling curses on himself you know uh, i I'll be cursed if I know the man or i I, I swear to you that i don't know the mm-hmm. man i don't know that he was using four letter words there I think he was uh he was uh cursing himself if he were lying and mm-hmm. and and swearing that he wasn't lying, uh, I think is what is going on there. But it, perhaps we could study that uh, yeah. further and, and make sure. Uh, but people are watching our speech, and they under, and they learn something about us by the way that we speak, and we've got to make sure that we're aware of that. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or the way you participate in the program tonight. We ask... Uh, how we prevent certain sins of the tongue. And the first one we want to talk about tonight is gossip. Monty, a, a huge problem, and I've, uh, we hear it uh, from so many different people that you would expect to be very spiritual and strong mm-hmm. and fall prey to this sin of gossip.
2: I think a lot of times people accuse people of gossiping when they're not, because I think a lot of the deal with gossip has to do with your motivation for Imparting the information that that you're that you're telling someone. If you're doing it just in order to pass on some juicy information, just so you can hear yourself talk, or just so you can repeat something, yeah, it's probably gossip. Uh, if you're part imparting information in order to inform somebody in a meaningful way, so they can help you to go study with somebody, or convert somebody, or help this other person in other way, I don't think that's gossip. But the problem does have to do with our motivation. And it is a big problem in the church. We have we have to really be careful to avoid that, and make sure when we're telling, when we're passing on some information about someone else, of what our motive is, in order not to be gossiping.
1: And uh, Kyle, uh, yeah, how would you, how do you determine what's gossip, what's not it needs to be said, doesn't need to be said? How do you determine that?
3: Obviously, obviously, like Molly said your motivations, and uh, there's like many things. If you want to help someone, if you want to go to someone and help them, that's that's not gossiping. That's you're trying to reach out to them. But... You know, if you're trying to if you're talking to another brother or another sister about something else I mean you have to are you being deceitful when you say are you trying to hide them from someone are you trying to you've seen something negative in someone or are you trying to talk to someone try to help them just so if we can try to help someone no it's not gossip that's never gossip yeah. all
1: right I think that it is our motivation is our ultimate goal they're good or is it to make them look bad and to and to make ourselves look better by the things that we're repeating
2: you know, sometimes it's just we want everybody to know how much we know, and that kind of gets into another subject we're going to get yeah. into in a little bit—boasting. But that can be gossip too. If I'm just passing on information to you so you can be impressed with I'm in the in crowd and I know all about—I know all this stuff about all these people. Well, there's no point to that. It's not benefiting anyone, and it's not making anyone look good. Right. It's just in order to pass on. It's just for the purpose of passing on information. And that's gossip, and we've got to avoid that. Right, Luke chapter. i sorry, Leviticus chapter 19,
1: verse 16 in the Old Testament, uh, Moses uh, instructed the people not to be gossipers. He said, "Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people." Uh, and so they were instructed against this idea of t- talebearing. Uh, uh in the Old Testament, God said is one of the things that He hates in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19: "A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren." Certainly someone who is uh, engaged in the sin of gossip is someone who is sowing discord among brethren and oftentimes is a false witness speaking Mm -hmm. lies, and those uh, claims are not substantiated. Uh, And so uh, we've got to be aware of that. And um, and so gossip is something that we certainly have to avoid.
2: One of the ways to avoid that, I believe, is that, when someone comes up and starts telling you something, did you know, you know, they'll generally lead in with that. Did you know about so-and-so? Maybe, and it's going to require a lot of effort on our part or a lot of discipline on our part because we don't want to hurt their feelings necessarily, but it might be time to tell them, look, this sounds like gossip and I don't want to be included in it. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this myself. I want to avoid it. So I just assume you didn't tell me whatever it is you're about to tell. If it's something about somebody, go take it up with them and pray, you know. Go in and discuss it with them and work it out with them, but don't tell me. I don't need to know.
1: All right, certainly so. And I think that's, uh, that's uh, along the lines of what Chris in Atlanta has said. He says uh, he sees gossip as being one of the biggest problems in the church today. One of the best best definitions of gossip is knowing privileged or false information about people and proceeding to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. The best way to combat that is to examine your motive for saying what you want to reveal. Is it harmful? Is it private info or public? Why do you want to tell it? I think that gets down to the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to tell this? Pretty much, if it is private or hurtful to the other person, then keep it. Keep your mouth closed. And notice what Chris says here. I, I try to shut people uh, down when they want to gossip to me. I will stop them mid-sentence and say, let's go get this person before you go any further so we can make sure we have the whole truth. He says, the gossiper will walk away. Mm-hmm. So he shuts that down. And, you know, it takes two to gossip. It takes someone to speak and someone to hear. Yeah. And I think sometimes we listen to gossip because, well, the other person's telling it. and I can't do anything to stop that, so I'll listen to it and I'll enjoy being on the receiving end mm-hmm. of that gossip. And I think we bear some guilt in that as well if we don't uh, do our part to stop that.
2: You know, we're providing them with the, the opportunity to, to gossip if we'll just sit there and listen to them. We, we can say, well, I'm not participating in it. Well, we are participating in it. We're listening, and we're not doing anything to stop it. You know, if we've seen somebody uh, abusing somebody, we wouldn't just stand by and watch that happen. We'd want to stop it. If we've seen yeah. somebody doing some other sin, we'd want to stop them. But this gossip thing, oh, well, I, I, I'll listen. You know, I don't agree with it, but I'm going to listen. Well, no, don't listen. Don't you know, listen. we need to get that out of our, our yeah. head. Goes, that no, guy? Like, as long as it's not about you. That's... Yeah. The
3: well,
1: here's a question. Tanya poses an interesting question in the chat room. Tanya says, I've heard it said, if it is truthful, then it's not gossip. But she asked, but does the word gossip have to be a lie? It's If it's truthful, it's not gossip. It sounds to me like someone's looking for a
3: loophole there or an excuse to gossip. What do you think about that, Kyle? Well, obviously, it's uh, just because it's a truth, I mean, that's, you know, most times, gossip—it's probably 50-50, I guess if it's gossip, it could be truth or it could be a lie. But it's just the, the motivations that have to do with a lot. The, the motivation,
1: yeah. I could have—I could have a true fact about you, Kyle, that uh, the shortcoming in your life, and I—I I could spread it around to everyone. But even though it's true. Me spreading it around doesn't uh, it's still gossip if I'm not doing it in an effort to correct Kyle and uh, but I'm instead running him down and trying to spread a matter.
2: You know we might know about somebody that in the past has had a problem with some sin in their life mm-hmm. and and they've confessed it, admitted it, and they've repented of it and fixed it. and somebody new shows up and did you know old Monty, he used to do this or he used to do that? Well, there's no point in telling that because this sin's done to be corrected. So that, and it, even though it's true, what they said, yes, he did used to do this or that, but it's gossip and it's not it's not serving any constructive purpose. It's just for the purpose of making theirself look good that they know somebody something about somebody. And so that we need to avoid that. Just because it happens to be true doesn't mean it's okay to say it. All right. I believe it's in Proverbs. It talks about a person that conceals a matter. And I forget how the rest of the phrase goes in it, but it's talking about basically you might know something true on somebody, but you don't have to say it, and you can help preserve that friendship and and, and stop some hurts or something to that effect.
1: That's right. Uh, and uh, I think it's Proverbs 11, verse 13, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. That's right. Uh, and so certainly uh, there is great value in not being a talebearer. In first Peter chapter four verse fifteen we're instructed but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters and you know it's interesting that 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 this sin here of being a busybody or or getting in and spreading things about other people lumped in there with some pretty uh terrible sins uh murder uh thief evildoer. is it a bad deal Yes it's a bad thing we've got to avoid it.
2: You know, God's put it in amongst some things that we would consider extra bad. So, you know, that's how God looks at it, and that's how we need to look at it. All right. In
1: 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, speaking about those who uh, would be young widows and the dangers that they could fall into, well, they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking those things or speaking things which they ought not. And so... That tattler, that busybody who's speaking things that they shouldn't is condemned there. We've got to make sure that we're not guilty of this sin. All right. Uh, David uh, submits some questions to ask of ourselves. Does the person you're telling the info need to know? Trying to figure out if it's gossip or not. Does the person I'm telling need to know? Are you really trying to help? Have you prayed for the person or situation you're speaking about? And what benefit for the particular person or situation could come from your discussion? That's a question that we need to be aware of and, uh, and ask ourselves. Um, all right, uh, we are up against uh, another break. We'll get a break and uh, we'll go on the other side after the bullet point, we want to talk about cursing the problem in our society today. It seems like it's becoming a bigger, bigger problem. We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere the virtual Bible study continues right after this. got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study?
4: Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The Journal of the American Medical Association gave this interesting report. Quote, the hummingbird is the smallest bird on earth. Some species weigh no more than a dime. It has the highest rate of metabolism, at rest about 50 times faster than man's, and thus must consume enormous amounts of nectar to avoid starvation. Not adapted for night feeding, it must stretch its food stores from dusk to dawn. To accomplish this, nature has equipped the hummingbird with a unique energy-saving design, the ability to hibernate overnight. During the night, the hummingbird's metabolic rate is only one fifteenth as rapid as it is in the daytime, and its body temperature drops to that of the surrounding air. The bird becomes torpid, scarcely able to move. When it does stir, it moves as though congealed. By daybreak, the hummingbird's body spontaneously resumes its normal temperature and high metabolic rate, ready once again to dart off in search of food. The physical world is literally full of amazing examples of design which the atheist and evolutionist cannot explain. The simple case of the hummingbird is a case in point. Just how did this incredible little creature develop its unique characteristics which allow it to function so well in this world? Could this have happened by chance? And if it came about by gradual evolution, how did the hummingbird survive over millions of years while this awesome metabolic regulator was evolving? This one simple example is sufficient to illustrate the overwhelming difficulties of the theory of evolution. What we're saying here is that when we see obvious design in anything, a car, a house, or a hummingbird, that design necessarily implies that there is a designer. In the case of the hummingbird and all the rest of physical nature, the designer is Almighty God. Quote, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Hebrews 3, verse 4. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
0: Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night Can you think of a better use of your time.
3: God's Word has the answers.
1: Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and find out more about how you can podcast recent sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ At our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and find archives of the last over 10 years of the Virtual Bible Study, and submit questions, questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you at any time. We're talking about the sins of the tongue tonight and how we can avoid them now. Talk about gossip. Uh, Next up on our list is uh, foul language, Bonnie. Certainly, it seems our society is becoming more and more profane.
2: You know, used to it seemed like people talked ugly. But they tended to be more careful about how they did it or who they did it around. If there's somebody they didn't know, they wouldn't talk ugly. Or if there's somebody that they knew was supposed to be a Christian and was trying to live as a Christian, they would be careful what they said around them. Or men wouldn't. They might be talking coarsely amongst themselves, but if a woman come in here and range, they would respect her as a lady and they would, they'd they clean up their language. There was a shop I used to work in. If, if The women came from the office back to the shipping department to do whatever they did in relation to that. And the guy's are about there talking. But when they seen a woman come out of the office and say, hey, there's so-and-so, You know, watch what you say. And so they had some amount of respect. But anymore, that's not the way. I mean, you go to a restaurant and you're sitting there trying to eat and somebody at the next table just spouting off all sorts of filthiness. They don't care that your wife or children are sitting there. And it's as likely as not to be a woman spouting off the filthiness nowadays. We're used to. it. it to me, at least, it didn't seem that way. So I think in our nation and our society and culture, the language has become – Degrading rapidly.
1: Absolutely. In the chat room, quickly before we go on, 826 uh, says uh, tailbearer, busybody, backbiter, tattler. All these terms and others are more appropriate than the blanket statement of gossip. It is more precise and easier to prove. I agree with that. Thank you, uh, 826, for that uh, that addition. We appreciate that. Certainly, those are are very descriptive terms, and uh, and those those uh, sins are roundly condemned. So thank you uh, for adding that to the discussion tonight. Uh, certainly foul language is a problem in our society. It seems like it is getting worse. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 tells us now, but now put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. We've got to make sure, Monty, that uh, that, that filthy communication, that filthy language is not a part of our vocabulary if we want to be pleasing to God.
2: You know, it just its not going to work. We're taught in the Scriptures not to use that kind of language. And if we're going to please God, we might be in the habit of doing it, but that's a habit that can be broken. Uh, We can, if we'll apply ourselves, quit speaking ugly that way.
1: Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, that uh, the way we talk is an indication of our heart because, as Jesus said, out of the heart come forth the things that we're speaking. And filthy language and filthy speech is contrary to what we've been told to think about. Again, we've got to think about it in order to speak it, and we've been told that we need to think on pure things. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Money, again, I've got to think it in order to speak it, mm-hmm. and if I'm going to be speaking this foul language, this dirty talk, that means I'm thinking on dirty and foul things, and I've been told to do just the opposite.
2: You know, in, in that regard, when it's talking about meditating on these things, one of the ways we do that is, is by reading the Word of God. We might have a filthy mind, but we can wash it with God's Word. Yeah. And that's it. And they can't anybody stop us from doing that. If we know that's a problem for us, then let's let's be busy about studying God's Word, because the that 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 will help us with that. That will clean our minds up. And I've heard uh, a phrase that I've heard used from time to time that dilution is the solution. You know, if you've got a deadly poison, if you dilute it with enough pure water, you can drink it and it won't hurt you because it spreads it out. Well, we can dilute the filth in our mind with God's Word, and we put enough of it in there, and that filth is not going to have to be a problem for us anymore.
1: All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4 tells us, uh, Neither foolishness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. We're told to avoid coarse jesting. Uh, Monty, I think that gets into that, uh, some of those, uh, some of that speech that, uh, may look good on the surface, but there may there's another meaning associated with it, the double mm-hmm. entendre and stuff like that, uh, where I'm saying something, but I've got a, there's a dirty angle that I'm trying to get out of that. Uh, I'm saying something that on the surface seems okay, but there's, there's a hidden meaning to that, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm really trying to convey. No difference there. I'm still thinking the thoughts that I'm trying to convey, and I'm trying to get those thoughts in your mind as well. And the, no, no business with the, of the Christian being engaged in that course, just.
2: You know, I've heard people before using that type of language, and when somebody rebuked them for, well, you've just got a dirty mind, or you wouldn't have thought that. No, I wouldn't have thought it if you hadn't said it, because that's exactly what you meant to be saying, right. but in such a way that if somebody rebuked you, you could kind of turn it back on them. So we need to be careful in what we say in that regard. And, and it gets back to looking at our own motivation. Why am I saying this? Yeah, I, I need I need to examine myself and like and take care of my motivations and my attitude. Chris
1: is on the same page as us again tonight with his email. He says, learn to think before you speak as you're trying to keep uh, this foul language out of your vocabulary. He says, if this type of language seems to come natural, then you may have a heart issue to deal with. Again, if you're talking, if you're speaking foul language, that tells us and that tell, should tell you that your heart is not right, as, as Chris has said. So excellent comments there.
2: That's right. So like we're saying... Fix it by applying yourself to God's word. Because as we said a while ago, we we can't tame our tongue, but with God's help we can. And, he, and he's provided us a means for doing that.
1: Now, Kyle, but when I'm around others who are using this language, then that becomes a little bit more natural for me. And that's because I'm allowing the things that they're saying to enter my heart, and I'm dwelling on them. And so i got to make sure that I isolate myself, perhaps, from uh, those influences that would cause me to think in, in these ways.
3: That's like a... Yeah who you associate with and what you watch on television, all that stuff, it's like a what you take in is what you put out. That's like it's, we yeah. use that example many times with anything, like especially what you watch on TV, what you take in your life, the people you associate with, you just need to be mindful of all of that. Anything that you, your daily life, you just really have to watch and just, like I said, uh, make sure you're purifying yourself even with uh, just have to watch what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if we need any motivation to, be careful about the things that we take into our mind, and certainly this uh, this instruction to avoid uh, this dirty language certainly would be a good motivator to keep ourselves pure.
2: You know, one of the things that I noticed years ago when I was in the habit of using foul language was there were certain places I went and certain people I was around that I didn't talk that way. And so, one of, so I got to notice, and it depended on who I was with. And so one of the things that I did is I changed jobs. So I went to a new place to work where nobody knew me, and everybody, for all they knew, I was a, a clean-talking person, so I didn't have that habit of talking ugly around these people. So that's one of the things I've done to help me clean up my language. Yep. And so this foul language is a sin, and we've got to do whatever it takes to to fix it. It's not with something. We have to repent of it if we're going to be right with God.
1: All right. Let's quickly, before the break, uh, talk about the, the next sin that we want to be aware of. And I think it is a sin that's becoming more prevalent in our society as well, and that is using the Lord's name in vain. It seems money that no one uh, these days can get excited without taking the Lord's name in vain yeah you hear it all all around and uh, and someone is excited someone is scared someone is shocked immediately God's name gets used in vain not because uh, they are speaking of God uh in a reverent way just because they're just throwing the name around
2: yeah they just it's a casual thing it's I mean, God's name gets thrown around more loosely than my name does. If we we use the term God or Jesus or whatever like that, when we use those, we need to be using it in a respectful way because they deserve our respect. And when we use it, I mean, if somebody was using my name, talking about me or to me in a disrespectful way, it would hurt my feelings. I mean, we're all that way. And so why should God be any less offended by us misusing his name?
1: Uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the Israelites in the Old Testament uh, were instructed, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So it was one of the Ten Commandments for the children of Israel that they needed to not take the Lord's name in vain. But uh, I think it's a, a command that uh, we need to follow today, not that we're under the Old Testament, but I think we see similar uh, instructions today. For instance, in the um, the model prayer in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus said, "We're to address the Father, our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be Thy name." His name uh, is uh, something that should be held in respect, and uh, and certainly when we're using it uh, flippantly, we're not uh, hallowing His name.
2: You know, there's, uh, a radio program that I used to listen to. It was related to financial matters. And the guy was all the time talking about what a Christian he was, but he was real loose with with God's name, and I got to where I just wouldn't listen to him anymore. I thought, you know, I don't have to hear this. That's one way I can fix what comes into my mind. I can turn the radio off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Chris in Atlanta says, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, especially when used by members of the church. We need to realize what it means to use the Lord's name in vain and learn to have a proper fear and respect. Again, uh, Kyle, as we talk about this, using the Lord's name flippantly, and disrespectfully, does show a condition of the heart that uh, I don't reverence the Lord like I should when I'm using His name in this way.
3: Uh, definitely not. It's something that's um, they even uh, they've got. Of course, now they've got it shortened down to just those, you know, three little layers of like it's All just right. The hashtag. It's just yeah. It's uh, so casual. It's, yeah. yeah let's
1: I, let's talk about that quickly. We'll jump uh, jump subjects here. Uh, these euphemisms, Monty, uh, where folks don't say. Mm-hmm. God's name, but they'll use some shortened version of it—gosh, uh, uh, or G, or golly, or nowadays, uh, well, it's not; those aren't those terms are sort of antiquated, I think. Now, now mm-hmm. it's OMG, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Well, is that any different than using the name?
2: Well, anytime we're using it in a way that's not reverence and showing piousness toward God. Then I I believe that we're using it in vain, and and it's condemned in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, We we just we've got to avoid that. If we're not using God's uh, a title referring to God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit in a respectful and reverential way, then we're doing wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, the same as I mean, uh, I I can refer to you by your name or by a nickname or some shortened name. Mm -hmm. I could call you M, but uh, the same the same effect is there that I've I've but we're still
2: talking about the same person, I right, think.
1: Right, right, And so, if it, and we're conveying the same, uh, same message. message. Someone say, well, I don't mean God when I say gosh or golly or OMG. I'm not really, I, that's not what I mean. It doesn't really matter what you mean. It's, well, how's it going to be received on the other end? There are folks who understand what you're saying, uh, what the language means.
2: Well, the thing is that words have meaning. Yeah. And we need to mean them when we use those words. So to say, well, I didn't mean that. Well, you used the words. Yeah. You was conveying that message. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. Then that kind of maybe gets back to what we was talking about. Another way we've got to clean up our language. It could almost be referring back to that gossip. What was our motivation in saying it? Well, if it's just to make noise, the Bible tells us we're going to be accountable for every idle word. Yeah. And God, if God's holding us accountable for these things, then we need to be sure that the words that come out of our mouth are not useless idle words, and we need to be sure we're meaning what Words we're using. Say. And
1: furthermore, the, th- the way that I talk says something about me and p- portrays an image to someone else about mm-hmm. things that are important to me. And if if what I'm saying could be construed in any shape or form or fashion as not reverencing God like I should, even if I didn't mean it, then I need to not use that language. If I if if someone could if I got excited and said, "Oh boy." And somebody could construe that as me not
2: reverencing God, then I I need to stop saying, oh, boy. Well, that kind of gets back to what Paul talked about in the eating of meats. He said, there's nothing wrong with eating these meats. It's okay to eat them. It's a good thing to eat them. But if it's going to cause my brother to stumble by eating these meats, then I won't do it anymore. Right. And our language needs to be the same way. If there's some phrase that we're used to using... Even though technically there's nothing wrong with it. If it causes you to stumble, then I should have enough love and respect for you to not use that anymore. And you need
1: to be careful about the things that you say, make sure you understand mm-hmm. what they mean to the person who's going to hear them because I think there are a lot of statements some we talked some of these this coarse jesting and this this filthy language. There are certain statements that people are using that are now commonplace that have a very filthy connotation mm-hmm. and people say them without realizing what that is. You know, when I was a kid,
2: Daddy slapped him in the mouth for something I said one time, and I don't remember what I said, but I remember thinking... Well, I've heard other people say it. What was wrong yeah. with that? Right. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. But I, I I found out that whatever that means or doesn't mean, it ain't something I need to be saying because Daddy's gonna bust me for Christians that. And their questions are using language
1: yeah. that they uh, they don't mean anything filthy by it, but it has a filthy connotation. Yeah. You need to be aware if you're going to use these sayings and these and you need to understand what they mean, so that you're not conveying again, you're conveying a message and an image. What kind of message are you portraying? Uh, David in the chat room says, Most people do not understand what taking the Lord's name in vain is. They have been conditioned to think it means to use the name while cursing. But to speak the name for no reason or flippantly is the meaning. Euphemisms are things that are specially held to by some. I ask young people who say, Oh, my gosh. He says he asks them, Who is your gosh? Again, people are saying things that they don't understand, and so we've got to be aware of that. We'll take a break and get to the top of the hour after this got a long way to go when we get back. We still need to talk about uh, murmuring and complaining, boasting, and uh, some consequences of failing to control our tongues. So we've got a long way to go. Uh, Let's uh, hear your thoughts on the other side. Guest 826 uh, uh, says also cleaning phrases up like fudge. He says, unless you're talking about fudge, you should not utilize it. Now, again, that's one of those things. People maybe substitute a word where a, a foul word would have been. And think that it's okay, but it leaves the same impression with other people's mind is that you meant to say that word, but you you cleaned yourself up a little bit. Again, we need to stay away from those phrases because again, they 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 portray an image that Christians should not portray. They communicate a thought that shouldn't be communicated. So we'll take a break. Get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right for this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The
4: Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And at this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. According to the Hartford Institute of Religion Research, more than 40% of Americans say they go to church weekly, but less than 20% are actually in church on a given Sunday. In other words, more than 80% of Americans are finding something they'd rather do on weekends. Some estimates say that between 8,000 and 10,000 churches will likely close this year. Between the years of 2010 and 2012, more than half of all churches in America added not one new member. Each year, nearly 3 million more previous churchgoers enter the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated. That information is via the Huffington Post. The Word of God says in Judges 2, verse 10... There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done.
2: How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual
1: Bible study continues. We're, at the top of here. We're talking about sins of the tongue. We're going to use our tongues fast here to get, to get it all through. First up, uh, uh, to talk about lying is certainly a sin of the tongue that we've got to be aware of, money. It's something God hates from Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, he hates the lying tongue. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, very simply Therefore, put away lying. Let's speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Put away lying. No place for it in a Christian's life.
2: You know, typically when someone tells a lie, they're afraid of someone or some consequence that the truth might cause them. Well, if we're doing this out of fear, the Bible teaches us to fear God and keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man. I should be far and away more shaken in my shoes, afraid of God, than I should ever be of any man here, because the worst a man can do is kill me but God can destroy my soul in hell, the Scriptures teach us. Yeah. So if, it, if we're lying because of fear, then just fear God and put away the lying.
1: All right. The book of Revelation tells us that all liars will have their part. In the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, in and, uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. And so, lying has whatever to be
2: consequence I'm trying to avoid here on earth that would cause me to tell a lie is not going to be as bad as that consequence. into
1: uh, that fire and brimstone. That's right. Uh, Chris says try to be truthful even when it hurts. In the long run, you will be better off. We need to realize it is much more important what God thinks of us than what man thinks. So thank you for that, Chris. And then the next uh, sin that we need to talk about is boasting or bragging uh that seems to be a problem in uh, our society today i I suppose money has been a problem uh throughout time that men have a tendency to boast
2: you know people all the time look what i've done and most of the things that i've done i probably shouldn't want people to know about them uh even if it's a good thing that bragging the bible teaches us that we do things to be seen of men that's our reward yeah so when i do something good If somebody should happen to notice it and comment about it, that's fine because I don't necessarily have to hide it because the Bible also teaches us to let our good works be seen of men because they they glorify God. But I shouldn't be doing these things for the purpose of getting praise from other people. My motivation should be doing it because it's the right thing to do because it benefits someone else and ultimately it brings glory and honor to God.
1: All right, in Romans chapter 1, in that list of terrible things that those people were doing there, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, murder strife, deceit, and there's uh, a couple of those terms that uh, guest 26 was pointing us to, whisperers and backbiters, those who are engaged in that gossip. But notice also in verse 30 of Revel- Romans chapter 1, boasters, proud and boasters, those who are, who are boasting, is, uh, that's a repulsive thing to God, and it, it, again, portrays something about our heart. We've got to make sure that we're not that guilty of boasting, that we are humble. And that we give God the glory for the things that we're able to do. Uh,
2: You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 tells us we ought not to think more highly of ourselves than than we should. So we need to evaluate ourselves and see where we are, but not be getting thinking that we're better than we are, that we're more important or more valuable than we are. We need to be a humble people. Yeah, I'm thinking of the
1: uh, incident uh, in which the uh, ruler. was eaten with worms because he mm-hmm. didn't give God the glory. They said he was a god in Acts chapter 12. Um, they, he was eaten with worms and died uh, there w- when uh, he failed to give God the glory. He was proud and puffed up, and uh, we can do the same as well. Um, and so that was Herod that uh, mm-hmm. that had been eaten with worms. Uh, pride and boasting are certainly a problem. We've got to make sure we're not guilty of that. Next up on our list is we go fast here to the end of the hour, uh, murmuring and complaining. Now, this is one... Money that uh, certainly is a sin that, again, we talk about sins of the tongue can be very easy to fall into. Murmuring and complaining is certainly one of those.
4: You
2: know, it's real easy when things aren't going the way we would want them to, to to sit around and gripe about it. And when we think of this murmuring and complaining, typically that's sort of a lot like the gossip thing. It's sort of a behind-the-scenes thing. Well, did you know what, they done over wherever. I just don't agree with that. I think it should have been done like this or, you know, we, something along that order. Uh, first off, referring back to what we're talking about, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Well, a lot of this complaining is it's not done the way I would have done it. Well, maybe my way ain't the best way. I need to stop and think about that. And yep. maybe my way is the best way, but it might be keeping peace in the family to let Let's do it another way. It'll still work. It might not work as well. So let's don't be murmuring. Let's not be backbiting. Let's not be complaining about things, but finding the best outlook we can about everything.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the um, it's easy to murmur and complain, as you said, against others maybe. Kyle, maybe about our lot in life, complain about our job, complain about the weather, complain about my backache and things like that. It's easy trap to fall into. And one of those sins, it's easy for us to commit.
3: Oh, well, definitely. This is, uh, <clears throat> apart from uh, uh, gossiping, it's something that you probably do, uh, like Mani said, it's something that you do in your own personal life, about your own, that you're a lot in life. You're just, you see someone else who has it better, or someone who, that you went to school with, or something that just, it's easy to be envious of someone, but really, uh, you have to be, uh Strive for your own happiness and really try to be satisfied with what you have. And if, if you're not happy, you need to try to change that. Don't be sitting there complaining about what someone else has. You need to try to strive for your own life.
1: That yeah, it, it's, it's, talking about that, uh, how the Israelites were guilty of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 references us to them and were instructed, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Things weren't perfect for the Israelites as they were uh, leaving Egypt, but certainly they w- were blessed. And they focused on the negative rather than on the positive, and they murmured, and, uh, and
2: God was very upset with them for that. You know, you would think, and you know, I'm not starving to death in the wilderness, so I'm, I'm not there, so it's easy to say, but to me you'd think you'd be happier being starving to death in the wilderness as a follower of God than a, an abused slave in Egypt. Yeah, well, yeah, and... Um, and
1: certainly if we stop and focus on the blessings that we've been given certainly we'll we won't be able to murmur even though things are not exactly the way we'd want them to be we need to be content and thankful for what we've got and and count our blessings
2: you know i thought about that a lot when my wife was going through cancer and the cancer treatments and all that she went through and that was pretty tough but we would go to get her treatments when when we went and uh there was people there that was a lot worse off than she was they was i mean it's been ten years since she had to deal with that, and so she's got hopefully gotten past it and don't won't have to deal with it anymore. Some of those people that was there at that same time has died. So, what the, my point is, when we think we've got it bad, it's easy if we'll just apply ourselves to look around, find somebody's got it worse, and we realize really we we don't have anything much to complain about. It may not be exactly like we'd want it, but it's not near as bad as others. And the other
1: problem, and, and we need to get on. But the other problem with looking around at others is we look around at others and we uh, assume that everything is. Mm-hmm. Good in their life, and that that the, the, they've got it on easy street. When we know our difficulties and struggles, and so we we envision that it's better for everyone else, and it certainly is that isn't always the case. Uh, K- Chris in Atlanta says we need to realize we should be trying to build others up and be servants. It is possible to do this if we complain. If we have a legi- legitimate concern, then we should address it directly to the party or parties involved. I often wonder what our children think of the preacher and elders after Sunday afternoon lunch. I have been at the table when they were just ripped apart by other members. I no longer tolerate that and regret participating and not standing up in my younger adult life to folks when they did it and also not keeping my own mouth closed. Thank you for that, Kyle. I mean, uh, sorry, Chris. Um, On the line of euphemisms, Chris said, uh, this goes along with foul language and dirty jokes. We need to think before we speak. Again, if it comes natural and often to, uh, to us, then we may have a heart issue that needs to be dealt with. He references Matthew 15:18, which we referenced earlier, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. All right, quickly, uh, in the chat room, um, David says, murmuring and complaining can be battled against with the proper mindset. He references Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which we referenced earlier, about the things that we need to think about, uh, about those things that are pure, those things that are honorable, and so forth. If we're thinking about the right things, we won't be murmuring and complaining. Thank you, David, for that. And he also says, I like singing the song, but farther alongs seems to have that theme of almost complaining. Uh, oh, he said, I like singing the song, but farther the song farther along seems to have that almost that theme of complaining. Uh, farther along, we'll understand why. Sort of, you know, boy, this is <laughs> really bad right now. But maybe we'll understand it later. Uh, sort of. So yeah, David, appreciate that. We need to stop and think about uh, maybe the tone of some of the things that we sing. And then, uh, we ask quickly in the last, uh, well, we got about 60 seconds here, Monty. Consequences to our soul if we fail to control our tongues as we should.
2: Well, if we fail to control our son- tongues as we should, we're sinning and we're not repenting of it. And the Bible teaches us that unrepented of sins is going to cost us our, our soul. It's going to cause us to be in a place of punishment rather than in heaven.
1: Very serious. We've got to understand how serious these sins are. And, uh, Kyle, uh, and, uh, Kyle also what about the consequences to others others certainly will suffer if we fail to use our tongues as we should
3: oh, definitely it's uh, especially if it's just always taking into account our role as a Christian we need to be uh, the light of the world especially if we're any kind of negativity in our lives if we're vocalizing just horrible things we just Nobody's going to want to become a Christian if we're just sitting there bad-mouthing all the time. Just certain, certain, certain. Taking that Certainly. Certainly.
1: Chris in Atlanta says uh, it can hurt others, set a bad example, and could, off, could even cause them to give up and lose their souls. It pains me deeply to say this, but it seems church people are sometimes the most vicious with their tongues, and this ought not to be. Amen to that, Chris. Appreciate your thoughts tonight. We need to close with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Notice this, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Monty, the things that I say need to be uh, directed at encouraging others. Everything I say, it ought to have the effect of making you want to be a better person. It ought to make, Kyle, it ought to make encourage you uh, to think about things that are pure. It ought to encourage us uh, all to focus on serving God rather than discouraging or tempting other people. I need to make sure that my speech has the effect on others of encouraging them to be closer to God.
2: It reminds me of something my mother told me when I was little. If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And that's why you were quiet
1: a lot when you were growing up,
2: huh? Well, that they kept slapping me. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, we need to think about what we're saying. And if it's not something good to say, then just put it away and be quiet about it. Then get back to meditating on God's Word and studying the Scriptures and and finding something good to say. Yep, absolutely. We're out of time. And uh we've we've talked a lot, but hopefully the things we've said have
1: been helpful. So certainly things that we all need to consider because the tongue is an unruly evil, can't be tamed, never gonna be able to put it on autopilot and say I got this one under control. Always gotta keep a guard of our tongue of the things that we're saying. Monty, thank you for being here tonight. Thank and you, Jacob, for, for the good opportunity. discussion, enjoyed discussing with you. Kyle, thank you as well, enjoyed uh, the discussion with you. And thank you for being on the other end of the line. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.